What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Going well. Good to be back, Graham. Excellent to see you again, Happy sir. Happy New Year. In this, our new year, 2019. 2019. Year of our Lord. <laughs> Who's our Lord? Dan Quinn? I don't know. We, uh, Graham and I just spent about 30 minutes of uh, tech time. We, yeah. we, we've really upped our game here in we 2019. Have, we have two microphones now. Yeah, thanks to watch, user, watch out, world. user Hugo, who is tired of constantly having to turn us down. Well, turn us all the way up and still yeah. not hear us. Right. Um, and who was our other user that had sound complaints? Uh, real user, Nick Rising. Rising. Can't remember how to pronounce his name, but... He had the same complaint. So the same complaint. So hopefully this will clear things up a little bit. Yep. Two microphones, two men. Only took us... A little under two years to uh, figure that one out. So, if we had a intern worth a damn, yeah, that might that might help. Um, I think our current interns, John, intern John, intern Philly John. Yeah, it only took um, a little over two years for Dan Quinn to realize that Sarkeesian isn't the right uh, the right play. So, I mean, I guess we're on the same level as Coach Quinn there. So, you're ready to dive into Falcons talk already? I think so I think we have a lot of. Um, a lot of things to talk about with the Falcons, obviously. I think they're the talk of the town right now. While we were taking our little two-week hiatus um, during the holidays, uh, it came down after the, the Falcons beat the Bucks that Keith Armstrong, the special teams coordinator, and... Oh, Keith, Graham, before we get into all the um, news, yeah. uh, personal note. Oh. <laughs> before we get into the thing that people actually listen to the show for you. Well, this is related. All right. So, uh, I took a trip to Philly, yeah, right? right. For Christmas, which was a very good time, the biggest thing I noticed with their sports was we're driving out of the city, and as you're driving towards the airport, you see their basketball slash hockey arena, the terrible stadium that is a uh, Citizens Bank Citizens Bank Ballpark, right. and then the Eagles Stadium, yeah, all right next to each other. Must be nice. Yeah, all connected by a subway. Must be nice. It's very unfair, Graham. You want to know something else that's depressing for us as well? It's the same way in Baltimore. You got you get off the little light rail. You got the Orioles, you know, Camden Yards, and then like maybe two or three blocks away, it's like, oh, there's M&T Bank Stadium. Yep. It's all my stadiums right there. What are we going to do? We, we got the – we got – we got we, we got State Farm and the Bens are next to each other, but of course SunTrust is in the middle of fucking nowhere. Well, don't so. forget about Georgia State's stadium oh, yeah, with Georgia our State Atlanta State. Legions. Ted Turner. Why uh, you can call them the Legions? The Legends. Legends. Legions. <laughs> um, yeah, those Eagles fans are passionate though, Graham. Yeah. Yeah. Like there was just a, a complete nut job sitting next to me at the the bar when I was watching their second to last game, just like. He was just there by himself, losing his mind. and just, every play? Yeah, just driving everyone crazy. Was he like me during that uh, Eagles-Stockens game at the beginning of the season? Like He looked like he was on the verge of breaking his pint glass in his hand. Wow. Just so much anger over everything. How many beers Even good plays. Even good plays. But he seemed pretty sober. It was, he, like, he had a Hard Rock Cafe uniform on. I believe oh. he worked there, and he was just like there Blue either before or after work. I don't know. Okay. But he was a... He's an angry son of a bitch. Cool. Yeah, but exactly like you. I would like this guy. Yeah. I still want to go to Philly. 
I got to yeah. fit in there, even though I hate all of their teams. One of these years, we'll go to a Braves game up there. Yeah, it'd be fun. All right, talk. Jump into your yeah. news shit. Yeah, boring stuff, right? We don't want to hear about your misadventures with Philadelphians. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Falcons beat the Bucks. Uh, the next day, it was announced that Keith Armstrong, the special teams coordinator, had been released. Whoa. whoa, whoa. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Falcons beating the Bucks. Fucking vaudeville over here. That dropped us from seventh, picking seventh in the draft to 14th in the draft. How do you feel about that, Graham? Kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. I mean, there's a big difference between a top 10 pick and a top 15 pick. Although, teams can still miss early and guys can slide. I mean, we've seen that plenty of times before. But just, you know, in your head... To put yourself in the best draft position, you would have preferred to have been seventh. That's not to say there isn't a good pick at 14, but you kind of are like, eh. Like Matt Bryant would have definitely been my favorite kicker over Giorgio Tavecchio if he had just shanked that one. Yeah, he hasn't had a better career or been, you know, had a lot of longevity or isn't like the 15th best square in NFL history or anything like that. So Giorgio I mean, would have missed that one for us, Graham. I, you know, it's just, it's tough to tell someone, hey, go miss the field goal or don't do the field goal. Dan Quinn actually had his best moment of clock management in that whole game. We had like ball of like four minutes left, four and a half minutes or something. Drove down the field, were able to run the ball effectively, use the clock well. He almost forgot to call a timeout. Oh, yeah, the last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, that, he should, like, Dan Quinn should have just let that run out. Be like, oops, I guess we Whoops. picked seventh. Sorry. <laughs> Although that he might have been fired. Right. But that was actually one of the better uses of game clock management I've ever seen from Dan Quinn, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Seems like every time we need him to be smart there, he isn't. And when we don't need him to be, he is. Yeah. All right, I'll let you jump in here. I won't interrupt this time, Graham. All right. Go into your little script. It's not even a script. I'm just talking, <laughs> speaking from the heart here. So after the Falcons beat the Bucks and dropped to the 14th position, yeah, after the Falcons beat the Bucks and dropped to the 14th position in this year's uh, upcoming NFL draft, Falcons released Keith Armstrong, the special teams coordinator, also fired Steve Sarkeesian, and then elected to not re-sign Marquand Manuel, the defensive coordinator. So all three coordinators are gone. That was the, the, the first big news coming out of um, Flowery Branch on Monday morning. So that was pretty wild. I was not expecting that. Keith Armstrong, to me, had always been like a tenured professor. You know, <laughs> yeah. He's been here since the Mike Smith era. Uh, and he also was part of the coaching staff, I think, in the 90s, too, for a little bit. He bounced around the league. Mm-hmm. but. So he's been with the Falcons off and on for, you know, for a long time. Um, the longest tenured coach we probably ever had in any position. So I was I was surprised there, but I've, out of all the firings, I was the one I was happiest about. Special teams our last few seasons has looked discombobulated, bad coverage, poor decision making on whether or not to uh, receive a punt or not, and turned. Pro Bowler Andre Roberts into a bum last year, and then subsequently went to the Jets and became the All Pro um, Special Teams Kick Returner of the Year. After being a Pro Bowler before coming to Atlanta, right? So I don't think that helped matters for Keith Armstrong, but it just seems like, I mean, you can't really put anything, you know, with Matt Bosher being a shitty kickoff guy or you know mediocre punter, you can't really put that on him. But hell of a hitter, though. Oh yeah, you're talking about a hit well, sure, but. Um, and, and at the same time, you also can't take credit for him, you know, for, for Matt Bryant being a great kicker or Tavecchio coming in and doing well. It's like the kickers are going to do what the kickers do. But in terms of right. like this schematically and in terms of like the coordination between and the communication between the guys on special teams, I haven't seen a lot 
over the last few years where I've been like, oh man, that was great coverage, or good tackling guys, or, or whatever. Like the coverage was a little better this year, but it his main doing it is just the the kickoff, like not no discipline from those returners. No yeah, one, it really is. I think it does. Knowing when to it. call a fair catch, when to let it go. Yeah, it was when always to maybe get more than possible decision. Six yards on a punt return. Yeah, especially last season when it was like, all right, the ball's coming. It's at the twelve. Let's let it go, and then of course it rolls to the two yard line. Or you know, if it's at the um, five, let's let's call a fair catch and catch it at the five for some reason. It was like that seemed to happen so right. many times. It didn't happen as much this year, but it was still like just there was there was just nothing there for Armstrong. So I'm glad we're getting a a fresh voice, even though I did really enjoy his time, especially on Hard Knocks. I mean, that was entertaining as shit. Um, and I'm sure he has contributed a lot to the to the organization overall. But I'm glad we're getting a fresh voice there. So out of all the the um, the firings, that was the one I was happiest about. Yeah, I, I agree because I can kind of make an argument on both sides for both Sarkeesian and uh, Manuel. Manuel. Yeah. But yeah, Armstrong. I mean, that's I mean, it's just the whole Andre Roberts thing to me. Like, yeah. That's crazy. It is. That he, he takes a guy that clearly had talent, and then we get absolutely nothing out of him. And then immediately the next year, he's a pro bowler. Right. Like, what, what, what's going on there, Coach? Yeah, that's a reflection on With him. the Jets. Right, with the Jets of all teams. One of the worst franchises in America. Right. It's, uh, it's pretty mind-boggling. And then, so let's, let's talk about uh, Mark Kwan. I thought of all the people that you can make uh, excuses for in terms of the injuries. I thought that was the one you could point to and say, okay, you had a top 10 defense the year before. You lost a lot of key, key starters for most of the season, if not all the season, with some guys like Keanu Neal and Ricardo Allen. Um, you know, here's one more chance. You're also young. You know, you, you proved that you could put a top 10 defense out there when guys are healthy. Here's one more shot. But I guess that wasn't enough. Uh, at the same time, I also was not very impressed with the schemes he was coming up with, the lack of blitz packages, the three-man rushes. Um, so you could point to a lot of issues this year beyond the injuries um, in terms of what he was coming up with schematically. It seemed like once we were at the playoffs, even though our defense was still giving up points, at least we are calling more blitzes to get more pressure on the quarterback, actually getting more sacks. Which could have been Coach Quinn taking a bigger hand in the defense. It could have been. It could have been. Um, definitely could have been, but so this one I'm a little torn on because there was a lot of times schematically this year I was like, what the hell are we doing? Um, but then I also was, you know, you always had to come back to the injuries to sort of balance itself out and you would have liked to have seen Mark. I would have liked to have seen Mark Juan get one more chance, but at the same time, um, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm really torn on this one. I mean, my thoughts is if coach bro is the best D coordinator we have that, and we have a, I don't even know if we have a window anymore. That's a good question. But if we do, it is very closed and we don't have time to be messing around with like, I mean, just manual clearly, like it was more than just the injuries. Yeah. Like, I mean the schematics, some of the players that he was putting out there, like Jordan Richards, for, keep going with him when he was clearly terrible, yeah. sticking with Duke Riley for too long. Right. Not, where, like, I mean, Neesman showed up at the end of the year that could have been playing him earlier. Right. And and not adjusting. I think that was one of the big things, one of the big dents against Manuel was there was a lack of adjustments. He kept calling the defense like it was, he had all his guys out there that were, you know, supposed to be helpful, like Dion 
and Keanu, and those guys aren't there, or Ricardo. Yeah. And it's like you have to adjust your defense, and he was not able to do that until it was too little too late. And as you said, who know who knows how much Coach Quinn had to do with that yeah. and like, little boost of improvement we saw. And the best we've seen with our defense was in 2016, I think, when Coach Quinn took over. Yeah. So if he can do it, then go for it. And this holds him accountable. Right. Like now it's like, I mean, it's kind of sketchy that everyone's getting blame except Coach Quinn. Right. Firing everybody and well, and throw Dimitrov into that as well because these are his shitty players. I would I would do his, that too. His lack of depth. I think he put Mark he left Marquan out to dry a little bit when we did not get did not resign Claiborne. We did not resign Poe. We probably knew we were, we were going to lose one of those guys, but you had to have tried to resign one of them to me because his problem is he keeps trying to say, let's just resolve you know the defensive line in the draft to the point where it's like. These young guys have no one to, to learn from. Think about how big of an impact Dwight Freeney had on Vic Beasley or or Adrian Claiborne on Tack McKinley last season. And it's like he just doesn't see that for some but reason. These guys should be developing at this point. They to should work, be. To work, and I mean, that's, that's a manual issue as well, that they're yeah. not developing. Right, but the defensive line was definitely not as talented as it was last year because of the loss of Claiborne and Poe. And you can put that... On Dimitrov, I think. Yeah. Because we should have kept one of those guys at least. I would have preferred to have kept Poe just because it was nice having a big, beefy guy to free up Grady Jarrett, even though Grady had a great season this year. You know, we saw how much that hurt, especially defending against the run mm-hmm. this season. So there is a lot of there's a lot to it. And it is kind of funny how Thomas keeps escaping with his job. I mean, you could you could you could have fired him when you fired Mike Smith. Yeah, he, he, he's had plenty of bad drafts at this point. Yeah. So, but um, yeah. So, I mean, so did you agree with the manual removal overall? I'm okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, like I said, if Coach Bros our best D coordinator, let's let's get after it. And as he said at the press conference, they are planning on bringing someone in to help him with his game management which could be a win-win for us. I, I wonder about that. You know, that was one thing that I was um, really curious about when we when he made the announcement that we were going to... Um, <clears throat> when he made the announcement that we were going to get a clock manager and that we were making him defensive coordinator, it was like, to me, he's, you know, we've already admitted... I think it actually puts him in a better position to succeed. Yeah. At the same time, it is kind of scary because he's going to be putting more time to the defense to the point where it's like, how much of a true head coach can he be is one line of thought because he has to be a coordinator as well. At the same time, how much of a head coach was he before he wasn't the defensive coordinator? You know, so why not put him in the best position position to succeed, be the rah-rah guy for the whole team, but also just worry about the defense um, and then have someone cover his – worst detriment which we've seen time and time again is right and, and i mean that's just game that's just game day stuff i mean being a head coach is so much more throughout the week through the preparation the, the, yeah the preparation and yeah just building that brotherhood right that graham thinks is dead um but i mean yeah i think this game management thing's a great idea and i mean he, he wouldn't be the only guy that does it apparently josh mcdaniels has a guy like that because he's so worried on the offense Josh McDaniels. Not Josh McDaniels. Apparently. Sean McVay. Apparently Sean McVay has one because he's because he's so focused on the offense. <laughs> right. And, I mean, he won't be the only – like Kyle Shanahan's his own offensive coordinator. So right. it's not like he's it's the only – It's not unprecedented. Yeah, he's not the only guy that's done this. And he, he did it well in the only season we went to the Super Bowl. So. Right, right. 
at least in his era. Um, and so that brings us to Sark. And I think um, his firing puts a hell of an onus on whoever um, comes in as the offensive coordinator, as well as puts, you know, a lot of a lot more responsibility probably on whoever is going to be the next offensive coordinator in the sense that you got to bring someone in here who's really experienced because Quinn's, you know, input on the offense, I don't even know how much there was, but it's going to be virtually gone now. So the offensive coordinator is going to be like far more important than just your normal OC, I think. Yeah, and I mean, this is also probably, hopefully, the last offensive coordinator of Matt Ryan's career. I don't think you can say that just because... And he's going to be 35. Depends on who you... I mean, Matt's Matt's probably going to play until he's 40, God willing. I like to think. He's going to follow in the footsteps of Brady and Breeze, regardless of what any of you losers think out there. Matt is a top-10 quarterback in this league. He had an amazing season, 35 touchdowns, over 5,000 yards passing, seven picks. What, what, what the fuck do you want? All right? This guy is durable. He's a great quarterback. He's going to be here for a long time. And... Um. So yeah, I think he's. But you but want this to be the last offense. I would like it to be, but I just don't because the coaching changes in the NFL are always fluid. Offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, those guys are always trying to gun, always trying to gun for it. Yeah, a, you a got a coaching position. Yeah, it'd be nice to find a guy who doesn't have any maybe aspirations. Has been a head coach already and doesn't have the aspirations. Well, that's that's the thing that I really like. Um, you know, we've been linked to a lot of uh, candidates. One of them is Gary Kubiak. Who has been a head coach? Who has won multiple? He has won four Super Bowls, some of which as a coordinator. He's worked with Steve Young. He's worked with Peyton Manning. He actually, I read, taught Kyle Shanahan the offense that I, that he instilled. I know we've Falcons. been linked to him, but there's no talks of interviewing him. No, and he's we'll get, got he's got a deal going in Denver already, where right. he's like an assistant, and he could be in line right. to be a coach there, and, and his family lives there. Right. And the reason that he stepped down in Denver is he had some health issues, so he's been in a much more reserved role. More family time, less football time. So who knows if he even wants that? I just know it's a rumor. We'll get to the other people we're interviewing, but yeah, is it like point. actual health issues or like Urban Meyer health issues? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, he has been away from the game for a few years in terms of being on the field. But that is a great offensive mind, and that's someone I would love to to bring in here if possible. Yeah, I think that would be most everyone's number one. Yeah. What do you think about Sark leaving? I mean, he, we knew he was kind of dead man walking. But, so here's my thing with Sark. Yeah. I thought that he, like at times the offense looked great. Um, but he just didn't run the ball enough. Like how much? To, to have Tevin Coleman average like 12 rushes a game mm-hmm. in his last year with us. Um, when we have, when we A, need to keep the defense off the field more. And B, just have so many issues on that side of the ball. Like, I mean, they it just seems crazy to me. And, like, all of our success last year, like in the playoff game, we were running the damn ball, and he got away from that this year again. Plus, there were games this year that we lost because of our offense, which should not have happened with our defense being as shitty as it was. How much do you think that's on the offensive line, though? True. So, yeah, I have to consider that's that. That's the other argument. I think with the passing game, it was pretty good this year. I mean, Julio had an outstanding season. Got in the end zone eight times, 1,600-plus receiving yards. As we already mentioned, Matt's great numbers this year. Calvin Ridley had 10 touchdowns as a rookie. He had a wall a little bit and had some you know growth issues at times, but you saw the potential there. Um, 
and he was kind of his hand was forced to throw the ball more than he probably would have liked to. At the same time, when Devonte and Tevin were healthy this year, uh, he's still ever healthy. Well, he played in like three games or something, but he's still. And even when he wasn't, he still could not find the balance between using running backs, whether it be Ito and Coleman, Hill and Coleman, whatever. It didn't matter. It was like, And other teams know how to do it. Right, and he could never find that balance, and none of those guys could ever get a real rhythm. Right. So that, to me, is one of Sark's biggest issues, regardless of if we, you know, the offensive line sucks or not. It's like he, he doesn't know how to balance out utilizing multiple running backs in a way that Shanahan did, or being more creative in that respect which was one of my biggest frustrations with, with Sark. Also, not being able to get first downs when you only need one one or two yards is just absurd. I don't understand why we couldn't do that. Even if the offensive line is like the worst in the league, it's like, can we figure out a way to get one fucking yard other than having to go to that gimmick Sanu wildcat formation? So that, that was frustrating. I think this was probably the right move. At the same time, you have to wonder if – during that period of time when the offense, especially the passing offense, was just pointing up ridiculous. We were averaging like 30 points a game or whatever. You know, you have to think about it. If we could have won that Bengals game, we could have won that Saints game, or that Cowboys game. Browns. We're in the playoffs. No one's getting fired. It's just, it comes down to just a game of fucking Couple games. Yeah. It's incredible to think about the alternative if we would have won those, those three games. It's like, to, to me, like this weekend as well, it's like, such an exciting weekend, like your team wild card weekend oh, with, yeah. with your team playing. Mm-hmm. Just so much possibility. You got the right. national championship game on Monday as well. And it's just like, oh, what could have been? And just listen to sports talk all year. And we would have been talking about playing the Bears or whoever. Right. But instead we're talking about Keith Armstrong. and Right. Sarkeesian. Sark. <laughs> it's pretty depressing. I'm gonna kind of miss hearing you say Sarkeesian though, and just like with disgusting right, voice. Disdain, yeah. Yeah. Oh well, I think uh, yeah. Speaking of the offense now, so Kubiak's I can always listen to old episodes. Right? Sure, they're yeah. all they're all up there on SoundCloud <laughs> yeah. and iTunes. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit about the candidates that have been mentioned. Um, one is uh, a horrible choice, who has already been interviewed. Former Falcons coordinator Mike Malarkey who was the first coordinator Matt Ryan had, uh, whose offensive philosophy to me does not coincide with the the, uh, current day NFL. So I really, really don't want him bringing his two and three tight end sets here to Atlanta. Well, what if they were interviewing him for the game clock manager? I don't know anything about – he was the head coach of Tennessee. He did win a playoff game last year. Just last year he was? Yeah. I I think he's been there for like two or three years. I don't know. He just got released. We're going to look that up. Go ahead. I don't know about his game management style. I, I do know that during his time here, he was very obstinate, very very uh, unwilling to change, very unwilling to incorporate new wrinkles into his offense. That's one reason why he was removed from his position. I know I think he got a job as well. Um, You're right. Yeah, he was head coach till 2018. Yep. I, I know he got a job, and that's why he left the Falcons initially, I think. I can't yeah, remember. he went to the Bills. Went to the Bills, yeah. Cutter... Uh, came in after that, and he's also been interviewed. Let's let's just but can we both agree that we do not want Mike Malarkey coming back and under it? Yeah, I, I can agree, I can agree with that. Yeah, I just do not want that that style of play coming here. Um, Dirk Cutter interviewed today 
um, today that we're recording this is uh, January 5th. He apparently flew in last night, interviewed today the former Tampa Bay Bucks head coach, was, and before that was the Falcons offensive coordinator. He was the coordinator when we went to the NFC Championship game against San Francisco in the 2012-2013 season. Matt Ryan really started to flourish under his, his tutelage and put up um, some of his best numbers of, a career, of his career before the MVP season. Um, so I'm not opposed to that. Uh, you say that, but I saw where he actually had his worst seasons under Cutter than any other statistically than any other coordinator even the even the sarkier line are you just talking about collectively collectively interesting yeah like put up the work the the worst numbers interesting yeah under cutter did have some good seasons though with them too yeah i mean it was a very different team obviously it was i was like very different philosophy mike jenkins michael turner michael turner i miss i miss michael turner Turner he's the reason why matt ryan was able to develop into a great quarterback. Just old dependable. Yeah. Steamroll for 100 yards every game. Um, so I'm not opposed to that. I, I do kind of feel like it's a little... It would be okay. Yeah. It, it, it's it's retreading. And it's... I'm not... In, I'm, yeah, well, I, I'm against, I don't know, bringing back guys just because they're familiar with... Yeah, what are we going to interview? Ryan? I don't know. Dan Reeves now? Right. Because he was an ex-coach? Yeah, like, it's just sort of like... Smitty time? Yeah, and honestly, I don't... Cutter comes from that Mike Smith feeling. I don't want to bring that back. I don't want to bring that feeling back of just mediocrity and hopelessness, um, which maybe we're already in. I don't know. But and maybe that's unfair to him. But uh, he does run a different offense than the Shanahan offense. And something that Dan Quinn said that's really interesting is that he wants the coordinator to run the Shanahan offense. He doesn't want the coordinator to come in and put his stamp on you know, how we're going to run the offense, which – is exactly what we did with Sark. Now, it's a little different because Sark had never called plays in the NFL before, but it is kind of the same strategy that could set us up for failure with a new coordinator, just to say, hey, you have to run this. Right. Fuck what you think. Yeah. You know, and that is dangerous to me. You think we win the Super Bowl last year if Shanahan had stayed for one more season? Yeah. With that defense, especially being a top 10 defense? That bastard. Shanahan just come back one year, finish what he started. I don't know how you run after that. Or maybe, I don't know, but maybe he made the right decision. How do you not run after being such an idiot? <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty insane. The last guy that we're, inter- I don't know if he's been interviewed, but he, but at least we know for a fact that an interview at least he's either has happened or is going to happen is Darren Bevel, who was the Seattle offensive coordinator during their Super Bowl run. He's also the same man that called the play at the one-yard line against the Patriots not to give the ball to Marshawn Lynch to win the game. Um, solely based on that, and this might be unfair, I do not want him coming here. That that's very Shanahan of him, though. So it is. So maybe he could be our Shanahan, like he just needs a second chance. Yeah, and I'm not really familiar, too familiar with how Seattle runs their offense. I don't know if it's familiar. Yeah, I don't know to the uh, the Shanahan style of play, but I don't want him solely based on that one decision. That is so. That is. I don't know if that's. I think that's stupider than what Shanahan did arguably yeah yeah i agree um that's pretty freaking straightforward both of them were straightforward but that is as straightforward as it gets you have literally the best running back in football at the time you're at the one yard line why not give it to him it's just asinine stupid um so i don't want him solely based on that yeah he he doesn't get me very excited i mean kubiak's the only guy that i would just be like hell yes yeah kubiak can't even come in for an interview dirt sign on the dotted line dirt cutter yeah okay 
Blevins. That'll fine. Yeah, I'll never pronounce his he, name he right. Pronounce his name. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough. Um, apparently, it's something they don't want to let linger, and they want to just they kind of want to get it over with. No, they said they're not in a rush. Oh, did they? Yeah, because uh. Coach Bro also said that they're also looking at some guys that are still in the playoffs currently. So, I, I don't know who the hell that could be, but. I mean, there, there's no reason to rush it. Right. you got plenty of time to figure it out, I guess. Um, Don't have to worry about a defensive coordinator. You're saving some money there. Yeah. Plus, Coach Bro's paying himself more to do that. I wonder if he's getting more money from that. I, I don't think so. That'd be kind of messed up. Yeah. We're already paying two kickers. Right. Um, So one other thing that came up in the press conference was um, Thomas talking about getting an extension done with Gray Jarrett, getting an extension done with Julio Jones. Gray Jarrett's top priority because his contract is... So we need to address your freak out over Grady Jarrett a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. So (laughs) I was coming over here on my way over here, and um, I heard on the radio. I blame Dave Archer for this. He's like, yeah, I was talking to... People in Grady's camp, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's like, looks like, you know, might not be able to get him back. And so everybody freaked out. And what did I tell you, Graham? And you told me not to freak out, yeah. pretty much. And then Dave Archer came out a couple days later and says, like, yeah, I was a little misinformed. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And then, of course, now it's their top priority. Now it's their top priority. So I think I just need to stop uh, knee-jerk reacting to stuff. I was also... Especially right stuff of- that you hear from reporters and not out of yeah. somebody's mouth that yeah. is in charge. That's fair. That's fair. Um, like on here, people people would hear that we're hiring Blevins, the like reliever from the Phillies back in the early two thousand, yeah. to be our offensive coordinator. You'd freak out. Yeah. So hopefully, they get that great Jared deal done. It has to be done. I think if you lose him. Might as well just forget about even trying to contend for even a playoff spot next year. Oh, you can use that Vic Beasley money to pay for Grady Jarrett. Yeah, and I heard they also said that they're trying to restructure Vic's deal potentially, and that they might try to restructure a lot of deals. And I think there's going to be a lot of big changes coming personnel-wise. I think Brooks Reed is gone. How is he still here? I don't know. Derek is Shelby. he the new Eric Weems? Yeah, or the new uh, Croyd Beerman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I think Brooks Reed is gone. Shelby's going to be gone. Robert Alfred's going to get cut. You know, you're going to have a different looking team next season. Um, Did you see those numbers that were put out with uh, Pro Football Focus on cornerback rate ratings mm-hmm. in the NFL? And um, Trufant was bad, but not as terrible as we thought he was, and he was ranked like the thirtieth quarterback. Still terrible. Not what we're paying him for. Yeah. But Alfred was like 125. Right, yeah, he's like the worst corner in the league. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, Which he, doesn't make sense. No. How, do, how does he regress so much? It, it is wild. It's not like he's an old man or anything. No, should it, be in his prime. Yeah. And like I said, he started out the season looking really good. Like in that Eagles game, he was running stride for stride receivers, knocking down balls, not getting past their fans. Uh, and then after that, it was just all downhill. Our old innocent our innocent days watching that Eagles game. Yeah. Super Bowl or bust. Super Bowl or bust. We busted, Graham. Busted big time. So, uh, any other general thoughts on the Falcons? General thoughts, huh? What do you think, you know, 
anything on the draft, anything? Uh, just how do you feel? For the love of God, draft an offensive lineman. Yeah, draft offensive lineman, draft defensive. No lineman. skill players. No. Like I don't, I don't. I'd, I'd still like to. I mean, I don't know. I guess we can't really cut Devonte with Tevin no, being gone. You can't cut Devonte. You gotta hope. He's be, he, that'd be too much dead cat money. To he has to come back healthy. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, getting most of the season off, he can. You know, maybe he can do that. I don't know. Him and Ito and old what's his face Brian Hill kind of looked. Brian Hill looked all right. Playable. So we'll see what happens there. I agree with that, and I think this really puts a lot of this is Dan Quinn's last hurrah. If we do not make the playoffs next year, he's gone. And I think him, I think it, it reflects, don't you think if you're at a company and, and your boss fires like three people under him, directly under him, that's got to look pretty bad on the boss. That means things are not working and he systematically. Made, made some bad hires. Right, he made some bad hires, and that reflects poorly on him. So Dan Quinn denied being on the hot seat during the press conference, but you bet your ass he is. Because if, if this happens again next year, it is done. It is over with. Yeah, I and he—it's a ballsy move for him to say I'm going to be the defensive coordinator, I think, because now that puts even more responsibility on his shoulders. He can't blame a Marquand man or anyone else he brings right. in. He would have brought in for defensive coordinator. He's, it's all on him. He's fully accountable. It's which, all on him, more so than it's ever been. No, I agree. I think if we miss the playoffs, he's out. I think if he gets in and we don't win the like, Super Bowl, yeah, he, yeah, he, he'll keep going. Back. Yeah. Arthur Blank clearly likes the guy a lot. Yeah, so I think I think this is this is it, and it's going to be really interesting to see if we can bounce back because I think this team has a lot of holes in it, and Thomas Mitrov's going to have to be very creative in how he addresses those holes, particularly on the offensive line. Is he going to keep doing the scrap heap bullshit stuff he's been doing for his whole freaking career, or is he actually going to pony up and say I'm going to spend a top draft pick on on an offensive lineman that we desperately need? He's only done that twice that I can remember, or three times. Sam Baker, who was a bust, pretty much. He had, like, one good season. Sam Baker? Oh, you're, oh Dimitrov. Yeah. yeah. Jake Matthews, who was is, who is fine. Um, and then Peter Kahn's, who sucks, and is out of the league <laughs> yeah. now. Second-round pick is supposed yeah. to take over for the great Todd McClure. Yeah, you can't, you can't miss like that. So, but at 14, you should be able to get a more-than-capable offensive lineman. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I don't know. Um, we'll have to see. But I swear to God, if he waits to like the fourth round, fifth round to start drafting guys, then you know that are on the offensive line or on the trenches, then we're we're gonna be in trouble. What, what if a what if a great wide receiver's there at fourteen? Fuck that. <laughs> the last thing we need is another wide receiver. I think you also got to make a big decision on Muhammad Sanu. You bring him back. Because um, to, to really to, to, to the the depth on this team is bad. Is this contract up? No, but you can cut him and get hardly anything. That's a dead cap. Oh, um, I don't think you want to do that. I think he has one more year left. Yeah, let him ride it out. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. But um, but you have to start thinking of creative ways to create more cap space. You know, Robert Alford, Brooks Regan, where those guys create some cap space. So new as a candidate to create more cap space. Do you do that? I would rather not. But if it means bringing in, you know, you have more potential to bring in somebody you can help out at guard. You say four, $4 million by not paying Matt Schaub. Right, get a, a get a different backup quarterback, and that's also something that I was really surprised that Dan Quinn said. He was like, "Yeah, center and uh, tackle where Jake Matthews plays were good. Everything else is is up for discussion. We got to scrub it clean." I think is what he said, which says to me that everyone else is getting cut there, which I'm fine with. Schrader is awful. Schweitzer is awful. Garland is awful. 
Zane Beatles is terrible. Tyson Breo is also terrible. Um, they're all bad. On different levels of being bad, but none of them are very good. So Fusco might be gone too. He was mediocre, but I mean like He was alright. Yeah. Levitre is the one guy that I'd be willing to try and bring back again, but I just don't think he can stay healthy. He's only played like I don't know, fifteen games in two seasons or something like that. So how how would you sum up this year in one word, Graham? That's that's not that's uh family friendly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh the hopes were sky high especially coming back and thinking the offense can get back on the right foot and the defense is going to be just it's going to be even better there's no excuse for us not to be a super bowl contender um and then there are a lot of things that are out of our control that happened that was that were depressing and then how we reacted to that was equally depressing and the, the play on the field was was bad for a lot of the year on both sides of the ball yeah, it certainly wasn't an enjoyable year. Yeah, the only people that you could really get excited yeah. about were Grady Jarrett, Matt Ryan. Did we have Jones, any, like, Calvin Ridley. fun moments watching Falcons games this year? Like all... I had fun watching that Redskins game. That that's, was a that's about it. That was a thorough beatdown. I was like, Jesus, I guess we're trying to get back into this. Like, thing. every one of our wins were... I was severely hungover from the Bob Dylan show the night before, but I was sitting there watching it and be like, I didn't say anything. because I was. Like, that was I, the one Julio got his first touchdown. Yeah, his first right? touchdown, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was like the only feel-good game. Everyone else was like, oh, man, we almost blew that. Or, like, way too close over a shitty opponent. Yeah, or, oh, my God, how could we have lost that in the last second? Or, why are we winning now Yeah, when we're already out of the playoffs? Right. Or, why can't we tackle Drew Brees? I want a top-five pick. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was depressing. Yeah. Overall. And the depression turned to apathy. Like those last couple of games I watched, I was just sitting there. I had no feeling. It was just an obligation. It was an obligation. I had to watch. Yeah, it was like work. Right. We're, we're to that awkward stage in the sports calendar where our football team sucked. So there's no NFL playoffs to talk about. Nope. Obviously, we're not going to touch on the actual NFL playoffs because that has nothing to do with Atlanta professional sports. Right. Which, as you know, we're a podcast that strictly discusses Atlanta's professional sports. So we have to move on, Graham. What is there to move on to? All right. I just aren't doing well, you know, I, was think, I was thinking I'd just be depressed, but... All right, yeah, be depressed. But, Doesn't matter. No, but, uh, but I'm not. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> because, uh, I mean, we've got this whole Falcons coach search going on yeah. that I'm kind of interested in. Um, and, I mean, baseball offseason has to take off here in the next couple weeks. We lost out on, uh, I don't know if he's ever real a target, but Dave Robertson got signed by the Phillies. So that, that kind of hurts the Yankees' uh, late-inning guy, real flamethrower. Flame thrower. We have been, obviously there's all rumors, but I think Kimbrel is becoming a little bit more of a realistic possibility. I heard the market on him is really cold right now. He wanted, what, six years, $100 million. Yeah. No one's willing to pay him that. If he would go to, the, like, 3 and 60? It's still a lot to pay a closer. 3 and 50? I'd be more willing you'd, to talk at that you'd, point. You'd bite on that. Maybe. Um... But, yeah, I mean, there's no really new rumors that we haven't already discussed. No. But something's got to happen here. Well, I think the baseball world is still waiting for the Manny Machado, Bryce Harper dominoes to fall. And until they do, it's kind of like sort of. But it's weird because it's like the Braves have said that they're not trying to do free agency. Really fill a lot of holes in free agency. They they, they kind of have already done their free agent tour, you would think, with uh, Josh Donaldson and, and McCann. So 
I'm kind of frustrated that we haven't been able to get a deal done for an outfielder at this point. Not free agent, but a trade. Yeah. I'm still team Castellanos. Yeah, I think. Slide him into that four hole behind, behind Freddie. See how the defense comes. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, and then, like we talked about, you hope Acuna or Ender can get there and uh, compensate a little bit for his defense if, if we were to get him. But, yeah, you got to think he's got to be readily available and wouldn't cost an arm and a leg like Hanager out of Seattle would be, who we've been linked to numerous times. Yeah, you could get him for some mid-range prospects, which has been a lot of the deals that Anthopolis has made so far. Yeah. And maybe Duvall being the exception, although who knows, he could come back this year to be no, I don't, a decent piece off the bench. I really, I don't even know if I want him. Well, you got him, Graham. Although he's he's got to show something in spring he's training. A damn liability. He did nothing last year. Yes, on either side. That well, is last year. Yeah. Have you heard of comeback players before, Graham? Not comeback with, seasons. Not with the Braves. If you have one shitty season, you're shitty for I life. I guarantee uh, you, we cut him. He goes and hits 25 home runs with some other loser team. But with us, he's only he's going to hit like two, make eight errors in the field, and have an on base percentage of 127. Well, that's just a pessimistic look. That's how it fucking this is, works. This man. is 2019, Graham. We're, we need to be more optimistic. Okay. <laughs> you're not buying that? No. It's part of the Atlanta sports culture, minus United. Um, we're just cursed bunch. I tried to watch the Hawks game last night, and it was uh, while I was doing some work, and it was horrible. I was actually like, like mm-hmm. no one did anything in what I watched. I only watched like the first half, but we were down to like 25, 30 points at halftime. I was actually like somewhat excited about watching that because I was like, oh, we're playing the Bucks. Yeah. Uh, Holzer returned to his own team. Giannis. I was like. I was like, let's see what these guys got. Maybe they'll show out. And then I was like finishing up a show and turned it on and we're down like 30 after yeah. like 10 minutes. Yeah, I'm was, like, okay, awful. I guess I... I started watching when it came on and I was like, All right, John Collins doing nothing. Trey Young taking threes from 40 feet out, bricking it. What the hell is going on here? Like no one did anything in that game last night. I mean, maybe they did in the second half, but I didn't watch the second half. Yeah, the, the, I mean, I don't think we've talked. I mean, the Hawks had a five-game winning streak. Or they had won five of six. So, I mean, they, like they've been playing better. Yeah, John Collins has been playing out of his mind still. He's just like, every night's double-double, double-double. I mean, those, buck, those bucks are just... Bucks are for real. Bucks are good. Yeah, the boot and holes are system that we all know how great it can be. And now he's got a superstar. they got a superstar, yeah. So... I saw a, um, just a, a single video of just an Al Horford, like, standing out by the three, just... Doing the pump, doing the pump fake into the lane, backing a guy down, and then just a sweet little, little uh, shimmy arc, just yeah. pure. I was like, damn it, I miss Al. No, in Boston, yeah. And we got nothing for him, Graham. Nothing for him or Millsap. Was that that was pretty schlank, right? Yes. That was Bud. Yeah. Damn it, Bud. I don't know what he's thinking there. Then he goes and quits on us, but like Bobby Petrino. No, nah, that was a little different. I still have respect for Bullmoser. He didn't quit. I mean, I think it was amicable partying of the uh, of the relationship. It's not about there. that rebuild life. Well, it's also he got his his vice president basketball operations duty stripped from him. That's fucking awkward. You know, mm-hmm. he wants that and not to have that, and then having to come back and coach still, but not have control of the personnel that you thought you did is, is frustrating. But at the same time, he 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 you know he deserved to get stripped of that. Signed uh, Bazemore that huge extension was foolish. Getting Dwight Howard here 
foolish. None of those, neither one of those things panned out the way he wanted them to, and they never had a chance to. If I'm sitting here saying that at the time, I don't know why the hell he couldn't see that. He's not as smart as you, Graham. I guess not. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. That's a given. Yeah. You're true to Atlanta. I'm true to Atlanta. I understand how these things work. Warren <laughs> Williams, I knew it wasn't going to work. Dwight Howard, I knew he wasn't going to be some stud, even though, I guess, if you look at his blind stats that weren't, you know, the surface stats weren't terrible, but it was like... What, you say Dwight Howard? Yeah. I mean, that was just a, trying to make fans pretend we still cared about winning. Well, I think, you know, it was, it's a big move, I think, for, for him at the But time. after not bringing Horford back. Yeah, I mean, you got to get a center, but it's sort of like... You don't have to now. I, I, get, I don't know. It, it was... Out of all the people you could have gotten, and you had some money to work with, why are you going to get him at this point, at this stage in his career? He's not a superstar player anymore. Try, trying to make fans think he is. It worked for like a few weeks. He did have that big playoff game I went to against the Wizards where he had like huge double-double and was clutched down the stretch. That was hmm. that was entertaining. But the other four games in the postseason, he didn't do dick. So. <laughs> um, Can't say I remember those playoffs too well. Yeah, those, they weren't very good. Well... Yeah, I think we're just getting to the freshen station here. Yeah, it's, uh, your, your demeanor just uh, changed on me big time. Well, I just start thinking of all these like blown things, these blown opportunities that we collectively as a, as a sports town, city have to deal with, and it's just... Well, think think about the good ones, Graham. The Grady Jarrett's finding him in the fifth, fifth round. John Collins at 17. Great pickup. Um, Herder looks like a good pickup at like yep. 20-something. Yep. Um, Keep going. You make me feel better. Ronald Acuna. Frank Wren. Yeah, thank you. Um, keeping Freddie and tr- letting Hayward walk, trading Hayward. Very smart. Like, that could have really screwed us. Oh, God. Um, Freddie would be on the Cubs with Rizzo and Bryant and just tearing it up. It is easy to remember the hard, the bad ones, though. My, yeah. my, my mind went to one season of J.D. Drew for oh God. fifth giving up 15 seasons of Adam Wayne. You know, the big thing about all of those things are is we still don't have anything to show for it. We still don't have a championship. Minus the 99. Minus the 95 World Series. But those, all those things had nothing to do with it. Um, yeah, I think the people know that we haven't won in a while, Graham. Yeah. Minus Atlanta United. <laughs> so do you still... Were you ever in a honeymoon phase with that at all? With what? Wayne United. What do you mean? Like the, the, the winning the championship and feeling something. No. No. I was I was pleased for like two days and I was like, all right. Cool. Well, people have kind of stopped talking about it too. Yeah, it's sort of just. Yeah, where, where are your flags at? Yeah. <laughs> uh, if the Falcons won a Super Bowl, I'd be talking about that for the next 10 years. I'd be wearing Falcons gear every fucking day. I'd have. I don't know. I'd, I'd be losing my mind. I'd probably get a tattoo of Freddie the Falcon's face on my chest or something. Like I would, I would, I would do. I would go apeshit. Here's my prediction on the Atlanta United. They're gonna become like Alabama fans, and uh, get spoiled. Yeah. And then like any time they don't win a championship, they're disappointed. Anytime they do, it's just like yeah, that's expected. That's what we're supposed to do. Right. Yeah. Uh. That's my prediction. But we're still fans. There you go. I think that wraps up today's. I don't know what word to use to describe this. Mainly Falcons with just general 
No, I mean... Like, we touched on all the teams. We touched on all the teams, but I'm trying to think of like one word to describe it. Mm. I'm going to let you do that. Oh. <laughs> so we can't do rambling. General discussion. It's general discussion in Atlanta sports. Mostly Falcons. That was terrible. <laughs> Let's quit while we're behind. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you had a good holiday and a good, safe new year. Um, thank you for sticking with us. And we will talk to you all next week. Until next time, rise up, chop on, stay in brotherhood, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. Hospitality.